This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Hebrews chapter one this morning. We're going to look at the end and then come back. We're going to, uh, I just want to mention this verse over you and at the end of Hebrews, uh, just to ground ourselves in what God is doing uh, in the nations and then come back to what God is doing through his king. So in the kingdoms and through his king, uh, Hebrews says this, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. When we look at Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to see our king in the midst of kingdoms, being declared to be victorious, reigning above all things as God, the creator over all creation. But this isn't meant to in any way cause us to view angels or Moses as lesser in the sense that we demean them or don't appreciate them, but rather to see Christ where he ought to be. For some were worshiping angels and some were worshiping the Mosaic law. And the author of Hebrews writes to say, Jesus is above all things. You can appreciate how God works through Moses and appreciate how God works through angels, but Jesus is above all creation because he is the creator God. My main point for you this morning is this. Jesus, the creator, God, and king is superior to the created. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 through 14. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the sun, your throne, God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth. And the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up up like a cloak, and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? And my main point again this morning is that Jesus, our creator, God, and king, is superior to the created. When uh, Dr. Lane uh, looks at this passage, he brings out this, uh, this relationship between Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 through 14. And what it is like this, that 1 through 4 is basically the statements, and 5 through 14 are the defense. 5 through 14 are going to use seven different illustrations, at least from the Old Testament, to support those claims about who Jesus is. I want to show you these briefly as we understand this passage. If you'll look at chapter 1, verse 2, you'll see it says, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things. Now move forward to verses 5 through 9. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my Son? And he proceeds over the next four verses to prove that Jesus is the son and the heir of all things through an Old Testament passage. 
If you look at verse 2, again, it says, uh, God has anointed him heir of all things and made, him, made the universe through him. So son and heir has been stated and proven by Old Testament passages. Now he's the, uh, uh, the universe is made through him is going to be proved through verse 10. Look where it says, And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. Speaking to Jesus. Because in verse 8 it says, but to the Son. So we're speaking about Jesus. In the beginning, Lord Jesus, you established the earth and the heavens. So Jesus is the mediator of all creation. He's created all things with the powerful Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to create all things. Third, we see that Jesus is eternal. His, his eternal nature is preexistent before time even began. So we see this in verse 3. Look at it. It says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature. Uh, God is, Jesus has been existent for all time and in all places. He's sustaining all things. He's built, he's created all things and he is sustaining all things. So look at verse 11. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing, but you will roll them up like a, clo a cloak. And they will be changed like clothing, but you are the same. And your years will never end. Because he is preexistent and he's eternal. He's never changing. And finally, in verse 3, at the end of it, it says this. It says, after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. If you look at verse 13, it says, Now to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Statement, proof. And the proof is found in the Old Testament. I love this because the Holy Spirit speaking through the author of Hebrews to write these words about what the Holy Spirit has already written through Psalms and through Deuteronomy and Isaiah. And so the Holy Spirit is communicating truth about the truth he's communicated so that we as the people can understand more clearly how we missed King Jesus. Using the Old Testament quotations is basically like saying this, you guys missed him, don't miss him again. But how easy is, is it for us today to miss King Jesus? For the little gods of this world, little G's, for the little creations, for our little emotions, for the things of this world that we let consume our lives, become our gods, and take over control. How easily do we miss King Jesus? And so like the, these Old Testament believers, these Jews, would we too look to King Jesus as our God and our King, the creator of all things? I want you to look with me at verse 5. We're going to walk through this passage together. It says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Now throughout all the Old Testament quotations and uh, the Old Testament books, we don't have a singular son of God. We have plurals, and we have son as in the future, but we don't have anybody referenced as the son of God in a singular sense. What we do have is Israel referenced as the sons of God. We have angels also as sons of God, but nobody as the son of God. And so there's a Greek word here, tini, which is identifying Jesus as the, the one and only, the first and the last who will be clarified as the singular son of God. As the church now, the kingdom that will not be shaken, we are sons and daughters of God, but we are not the Son of God. The difference between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and us is that we've been adopted into His family. We are not the Son. 
And so as you look at this passage, nobody, not angels, not creation, not anything in creation can hear this, these words, you are my son. You might think of the baptism. You might think of Jesus' ascension. You might think of his transfiguration as the son. When, G when God the Father speaks over Jesus the, from Nazareth as you are my son. Now, if God's son is king, then just like last week when we talked about how he was on the cross, and then only a few days later and a few years later, too, did they recognize that this guy that was on the cross, this man from Nazareth, wasn't just a man. He is God. He's the creator of all things. And as they recognize that, because he's resurrected from the dead and appearing to over 500 people, including disciples and women, to preach the gospel out in the community and tell them, hey, that man that you crucified is Jesus. I want you to think about this. With that known, if the kingdom is unshakable and at the, at the gospel and at the end times, because of the gospel, all kings and kingdoms will cast down their crowns and their executive orders. The kings, their crowns, the presidents, their executive orders, dictators, all of their judicial authority will be cast down at the feet of this king, Jesus. So that means that King Herod will be casting his crown down in front of Jesus. The same king that thought that he could kill Jesus is the one who will throw his crown down in front of Jesus because Jesus is king of kings. As you think about your day, I want you to think about this. The little gods, the little kings in your life, the little things that dominate your emotions and your living, your actions, your speaking, those little things that dominate, will they not be thrown at the feet of Jesus, buried in hell for eternity, never to be resurrected, because all created things will perish. The only things that will remain are those whom Jesus Christ himself resurrects from the dead and will live on for eternity with him. So what do you worship today? Created things that will perish or the eternal God, Jesus Christ, who will reign forever? I want to make this point even more clear from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13. This is where this quotation most likely comes from, where it says, You are my son. It's pulling it in, in that context from 2 Samuel chapter 7, where it says, He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. All right, so the builder, Jesus is, or at least David's son, is going to be a builder, building a house. What kind of house? Physical or spiritual? Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. I'm going to read it out loud, or you can turn your Bibles there. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2 through 6 says this. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future, but Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Jesus is the builder. He is the one who's building a kingdom, not of this world, not a new temple, not a new tabernacle, but you, for you are the new temple. And in you he dwells, and in you he builds a kingdom. And this kingdom cannot be shaken. It will not be un uh, unraveled. It will not be rivaled. It will not be overthrown. This kingdom will reign with a king who is Jesus. So today, find confidence in this. As you worship your king, as you worship your God, you are in a kingdom that will not be shaken. Verse 6. And when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, And let all God's angels worship him. 
This is an interesting quotation because where it says, and let all God, uh, God's angels worship him, we're not exactly sure where this quotation comes from. I want to show you a couple things. Some people think it's from Psalm 97.7. In fact, your Bible probably, or your Bible might allude to that, that little letter there to tell you where it comes from. It might say Psalm 97.7. Psalm 97 says this, All who serve carved images, those who boast in worthless idols, will be put to shame. All the gods must worship him. Which is a reference to like everything in created order. All things that were created will worship him. Since we are created, since angels are created, we will worship him. So you could take that there and apply it to uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 where it says, And let all God's angels worship him. Or look at Deuteronomy chapter 32, 43. 32 verse 43. Where it says, Rejoice, you nations, concerning his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his adversaries. He will purify his land and his people. Now go back to the actual passage. It says, And let all God's angels worship him. So does that come from Deuteronomy 32, 43, where it says, Rejoice, you nations? Well, we're talking about angels worshiping God. And, and in Deuteronomy, it's talking about nations worshiping God. Okay, well, I'm going to nerd out for a second, okay? Stay with me. Deuteronomy 32:43 in the Masoretic text is Hebrew. Okay, Masoretic text, Hebrew. In that version, it says what you see here in English. But the Hebrew was translated into Greek. And they had texts, certain different texts. In fact, there's a Qumran cave. If you know what the caves in, uh, in uh, Israel called the Qumran caves are, uh, there was K4. They found these documents, which were the Septuagint, which is the Hebrew Bible translated into Greek. Septuagint, Hebrew Bible translated into Greek, which is what Jesus read, which is what Paul read, which is what the apostles read and most likely the writer of Hebrews read, was the Septuagint, not the Hebrew text, but the Greek text. Let me share with you what the Greek text says. I'm not going to read in Greek. I'm going to read in English. But this is the Greek translation in English. We call this the Septuagint. Deuteronomy 32, 43 says this, Delight, O heavens, with him, and worship him, you sons of God. Delight, O nations, with his people, and prevail with him, all you angels of God. And so you can see there, the angels of God comes in. And so what for us might be difficult to find, it's there. We just have to do the, the, the in-depth study of finding it. I want to challenge you to do this. Find these nuggets. Find these truths. Dig into God's Word. Not so that you become smarter sinners, but so that you realize this truth, that if all the angels are worshiping right now, they are worshiping with us. They are worshiping with us. 8.30 this morning, we began worshiping corporately as a church together. We'll end somewhere around 12 to 12 to 15, depending on how long I preach. And when we end, we will have spent about four hours together worshiping King Jesus with the angels. Amen. Mm. When you stand up and when you sing, the angels are rejoicing with you, worshiping the creator of the universe. And for these people, it was important. For the Jews to hear this, it was important because Moses is worshiping Jesus. The angels are worshiping Jesus. And if so, then so should we. We should be worshiping Jesus with our voices and with our actions and with, our, with how we treat one another and how we fellowship and how we serve and how we give and how we go. Worship King Jesus. Verse 7. And about... The angels, he says, 
He makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the sun, your throne, God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. It says in verse 7, your throne, God, is forever. Now that verse, it's, it's sort of hard to understand uh, exactly what it's saying here because the the Greek in it is difficult to kind of figure out the order. But the best translation is what you have here. Your throne, God, is forever. And if you look at verse 8, the very beginning of it says, but to the Son. So it's referring to the Son as God. But to the Son, your throne, God. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, The Son is God. There are people in your life from other denominations and backgrounds and from other religions that will tell you that Jesus is not God. Some may tell you that Jesus is a God. But others will live like Jesus isn't God. They may even say Jesus is God, but they're not going to live like it. I want you to look at this verse again. It says, but to the Son, your throne, God. Where is Jesus' throne? As he's situated at the right hand of God, he's placed his spirit within your heart. And now your passions and your desires, your love, your will and your plan, everything that is in you, All the actions you do and the words that you speak are dictated by the heart that is in you. The heart, the passion, the desire has been dictated by the throne of Jesus Christ in your life. The throne, Jesus Christ, reigns in your life. Your throne, God. Be situated in my heart. Be situated, not not physically, literally, but God's spirit dwelling in our lives to control everything that we do. So it's one thing for you to say, Jesus is my God. But have you, have you thought about Jesus on his throne? That's your God and King, reigning above all things. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, which there's no doubt that this passage is in some way re- referencing uh, this, this, the eternality of Jesus, the throne being forever. Um, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, For a child will be born for us, and just pause for a moment, right when you hear that, I hope that you're thinking Christmas because it's time for you to decorate. Don't listen to people. Halloween's of the devil. Thanksgiving's for good food. Jesus is all about Christmas. So decorate your house. I'm kidding. Do what you want to do. I'm listening to Christmas music, though. Uh, for a child will be born for us. Uh, thank you. Uh, son, man, that got people talking. I like it. Let's go. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. God's kingdom forever and ever. This is your king. In front of the kingdoms of this world, this is your king from 3,000 years ago to 3,000 years from now. From eternity past to eternity future, he's your king. When you think about the, the, the world and the countries that flow and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, kings and kingdoms and, and uh, presidents and nations and dictators and countries, all of them ebb and flow, they rise up and then they're torn down. 
but my king reigns forever. And if this is true, listen to this next verse. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak and they will all be changed like clothing. But you are the same and your years will never end. My God's kingdom is forever. But our little kings and gods are temporary. What you worship today will be dead tomorrow unless it is your King Jesus. And it won't be resurrected into eternity with God. It'll be resurrected into eternity in hell. And so I ask you today, what are you worshiping? If it's of the created order and not the creator, it's dying. It's withering away. In fact, our own bodies are withering away. We all feel it. We all know it. We all see it. But as we see that, as we talked about last week, see created things that are dwindling down and dying in this world, we can know that our God will raise us up from the dead into eternity with him. It's our hope. It's our future. It's our, it's our only game plan is Jesus. He's our only. There's nothing else. He's the way, the truth, and life because I have nothing else. I'm, I'm withering away. If it's not him, I'm nothing. And so why would I choose to worship nothing and have nothing in the end days? What do you worship today? What is your God? What is your king? Because it is dying. But Jesus isn't. Verse 13. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? I want to read for you Psalm 110, verse 1. This is um, a, a quotation exactly from Psalm 110. Now, when the New Testament quotes a verse from a psalm, Jesus does this, Paul does this. Typically what they're doing is they're taking that whole chapter and bringing the whole meaning into that one verse. They can do this because they memorized whole chapters, whole books. And because they memorized the whole thing, they could just simply say, Jesus, or they could say, sit at the, foot, uh, the right hand of God as the nations and enemies will be your footstool. They can say that and bring up the whole chapter of, of 110 because everybody around them knows it. Like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, we can talk about that, right? Now, we might not be there right now in our current uh, life and discipleship journey, but one day maybe we will be where we can just walk up and say that kind of phrase and know, okay, this is where that's at, this is what you mean, I can bring that into context. That's what's happening here. So I want to bring it into context. Psalm 110, verse 1. And we're going to read the whole chapter. This is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. Rule over your surrounding enemies. Your people will volunteer on your day of battle. In holy splendor from the womb of dawn, the dew of your youth belongs to you. The Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the pattern of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his anger. He will judge the nations, heaping up corpses. He will crush leaders over the entire world. He will drink from the brook by the road. Therefore, he will lift up his head. A reference to the resurrection, lifting up his head, knowing what is happening, being the judge of all things. Now look at this. If Jesus is the priest forever, according to the line of Melchizedek, if he's the king, the priest, and the God of the universe, he is crushing kings. He is judging nations. He is heaping up corpses. He is crushing leaders around the world. And he will be resurrected and resurrect us on the last day. That is my king. That's your king. And as you think about that today, think about what will be cast in front of him. I want, I want you to be thinking about King Herod in front of King Jesus. I want you to be thinking about your little God in front of King Jesus. 
I want to think you'd be thinking about your little temptations in front of King Jesus, bowing down at the king of the universe. That's your king. That's our God. Even, even further, if you look at verse 14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? Here's, here's part of the problem, what we do with Jesus and what we do with angels. There, there, I'm going to give you four summary uh, uh, things that angels do. What, what God has given them to do. Angels, angelos, literally means uh, a messenger. So we know that angels communicate God's message to people. You might think about this from the tomb when uh, the angel says to Mary, uh, he's not here. Come on, he's raised from the dead, clearly. He told you he was going to do this. He did it, right? You might know about angels who, uh, because they, we've talked about this, they continually worship King Jesus and praise God as they uh, serve him. They are continually worshiping. There's never a time where God is not being worshiped. Not only the angels, but you and animals are worshiping King Jesus at all times. Revelation 4 tells us that around the throne of God, all creation will worship him. All creation, that means angels, Moses, you and animals and all of creation, as it's resurrected into eternal life, will be worshiping King Jesus. Let's worship King Jesus now. So the angels are worshiping. The angels are ministering to believers. And think about this. God has put people around you and the, and, the, and, the, and the creation around you to minister to you, whether it be through food, oxygen, through the beauty of God's creation, or through his angels ministering to you, or his people caring for you. God has provided richly for you. Embracing the ministry of God through his angels to you to deliver you from spiritual oppression. And to rejoice over your conversion as you have to be reminded constantly, who am I? Because who am I will dictate what you do. Who are you? You are a child of God. You are delivered from death and destruction. You are a son and daughter. And if you are, then stand and act like it. Speak and live like it. Angels are watching the lives of believers, which means they're also uh, agents of judgment in the second coming. They know what you do good and bad. Not like Santa. <laughs> they know what you do good and bad, and they're coming back. And when they come back, y'all, here's, here's the problem. We got to make sure we look at Jesus the way Jesus is, ought to be seen and look at angels the way they ought to be seen. I want to show you uh, the um, reduction of angels over time. If you're familiar with art history, if you appreciate uh, art, you might have studied different artistic work on angels. You'll see throughout the years they've changed quite a bit, right? So from the beginning, you'll see angels that are depicted, especially even in scripture, they're depicted by warriors. They're, they're valiant. They are the heroes. They, are, uh, they bring justice with a scepter. They're going to be separating the wheat from the chaff with Jesus. They're coming back as, as a kingdom with warriors who are going to defeat everything in this world. They are like majestic, strong creatures, right? Through time, though, it changes. You see pictures painted on ceilings. You'll see um, old artwork where you have like a fat nude man with like maybe a bow. And you're like, what is that? Why are you drawing artists? I mean, um, why are you drawing angels like this? Over time, it continues. Then what does it turn into? Little nude, like, adult angels shooting a bow and arrow at people to make them fall in love. What are they called? Cupids. Angels are like these, like, 
nude men who have no strength and power and aren't majestic, or they're like little cupids that shoot and turn people in love with each other. And you're like, that's not my king. And those aren't angels. Your angels aren't coming back to make you fall in love with a a person beside you. Angels are coming back to separate out those who followed after King Jesus and those who didn't. They are valiant. They're going to preach God's word and they're going to separate people out for eternity with God and eternity separated from God. This, these, these angels surrounding you are ministering to you with all the authority that God has given them to preach God's word and care for you well and to protect you from the evil one. When you think about the devil and you think about his authority on earth, you think about the hell that has been created on this world, you think about wars that have been created all the destruction that's happened, all the wickedness, the lies, the deceit, the pain, the hurt, the death, the destruction, angels are going to be fighting against that. You're not telling me that those angels are some weak being. You're not telling me that they're some weak creation that can't defend themselves. You're not telling me that they can't fight against hell. What I'm telling you is these angels are beasts, man. Beast mode, not, they ain't struggling with life. They're victorious over life. And if that's true and Jesus is superior, then who's Jesus? Man, that's my king. That's my God. You got to be thinking about who Jesus is today. So I'm going to tell you three things about who Jesus is. Jesus is greater. If Jesus is greater, then he's greater than all the gods and the kings and the addictions and the emotions and the lies and all those things in your life. He's greater than all of them. All those things are dying and dead. Jesus is greater. And so you might say, Matt, well, I'm just too busy this week because I have this, that, and that. And I'm like, those are little gods. You got to watch out for those little gods because Jesus is greater. Well, Matt, I can't do my devotion this week. I can't love my wife well this week. I can't love my kids well this week. I can't do that training this week. I'm just trying. Well, stop trying and start training. You got to train, y'all. Well, I'm training to worship King Jesus. I'm training to follow after Jesus. I'm training in the discipleship. I'm training to serve him. I'm training to give. I'm training to go. I'm training, Matt. Why are you training? Because you have a God, not a this little God. You got a big God. I got a king and I'm going to train to worship with him because I know that my God is reigning above all things. And so all of a sudden you go, Jesus is greater than all those other little things that I'm just trying to get rid of. No, I'm stopping trying. I'm training because those little gods are nothing compared to my God. So when you're training, you're going, okay, now I'm in looking at the Simply Seven fast. But Matt, I can't do that because I have this. Okay, well, Jesus is greater. Matt, I don't have time because of this. Well, what is your time? Who gave you your time? Who gives you your time? Who sustains your time? Who will be your time? Who will take up your time? Who's going to sustain everything forever? The king of time? Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus. Jesus is greater. Second, the angels are worshiping right now. Now, I know I've already said that, but I want you to think about this right now. The angels are worshiping right now. What do you hear, man? When you go to the grocery store, you go to your the kids' soccer game, you go to, uh, uh, I don't know, the movies. You, watch, you turn on the movies, uh, uh, a TV, you turn on music. What do you hear? You hear garbage, right? A lot of times, not all the time, but we hear garbage all around the world. And we look at those things and we're like, man, this world is filthy. It's full of... Just destruction. Well, that's what they want you to see. They want you to see all the destruction. That's like the clickbait. Destruction. But know this. When the world's full of destruction, the world's just rip you down and make you think like you got nothing and think like you'll never have anything and think you can't do anything in this world, remember this. The angels are worshiping. When all this world is bashing, they're worshiping. When you feel depleted and you feel empty, the angels are not. They're worshiping. They're filled up with God's Spirit. And they're going to be victorious. Worship with the angels. And third, the heavens are not unraveled. This is good to know. 
This is so good to know. A world that is unraveling in front of our eyes makes sense. But the world needs to know that there is a kingdom that is not. It's unrivaled. It's reigning. It will not be destroyed. And because Jesus is the builder of a new house, which is a spiritual house, that means we are the new kingdom. We are the new nation, and we will not be destroyed. It's a kingdom that endures. It's never been destroyed. They tried fire to stop us. They tried destroying the books. They tried killing everybody. They tried uh, dunking us in water and drowning us because we thought baptism was the way to go. They tried to kill every Christian in all history. But it won't happen because my Jesus reigns. So you look around you and you say, well, the United States of America might be falling apart. You look around you and you may say, well, these nations are falling apart. You look around you and you say, well, my only hope is in we find somebody who to restore this nation and restore that nation and restore this place. No, every nation falls, but not Jesus. The heavens are not unraveling, but this world is. So will you this morning join with me in declaring that Jesus is our God and King? Jesus, who died on the cross so that you might be freed of your sin and forgiven forever and be resurrected from the dead to live with him forever, would you declare with me that he is God and King? He's our Lord. He's the creator of all things. And you know, you might say, because honestly, it's probably true. You hear me say this a lot. Jesus is King. Caesar is not. You hear me say Jesus is King. Our president is not. You'll hear me say Jesus is King. Our kingdom reigns and this kingdom doesn't. You'll hear me say that often. If you've been in this church for a while, you've probably heard me say that a lot. Here's why. I might say it one time on Sunday. You're going to hear it a hundred times this week. This somebody else is King. All these other kings are going to try to draw your attention away from them. The news is going to try to make you think that as long as we get a new king in place, we'll be good. But we have a king. I'm going to tell you on Sunday that Jesus is king because the rest of the world is going to tell you that somebody isn't, is, somebody else is. Y'all with me? So if you hear me say Jesus is king, just remember this. Throughout your day, just, just meditate on that. Jesus is king. This nation's not. Jesus is king. We can take a deep breath on this one. The Orioles aren't. Because they lost yesterday. Everybody just give each other some grace here. They're going to fail, but Jesus isn't. Okay? I can say that right now because the Braves lost too. If they had won, I wouldn't say anything to you guys. I don't want to hurt you. But nobody's getting up in the World Series. Now we're not going to be able to fight about it. So it's going to be frustrating. But seriously, look, I'm one with you. We're humans. We're fighting together. The angels are with us. People are with us. The Word is with us. And God is with us. And we're fighting in this world to remember that these little gods and little kings in this world are not our future. They're not our hope. So you worship with me as the band comes. We worship with me and with the angels, praising and praying, serving King Jesus locally and globally. If you want to serve locally, man, talk to Miss Kim. She's in here right now. She will. I guarantee you. You've fallen after King Jesus and you've been through Alpha. She's going to put you somewhere. She's right there. Talk to her. Serving King Jesus. Worshiping King Jesus through serving, fellowshipping with one another and loving one another through it, giving and going to God's local and global ministries and discipling people to worship him because it's the commandment that he gave you to do to go and make disciples. And finally, I give you this one way. Look, because I, man, one of the things I got to do is always make things, I got to boil things down. What can I practically do today? Here's what you can practically do today walk away from today, go outside. Grab the Simply 7 Fast. Do that today. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you to do that just this week because it's some legalistic thing because we want you to do something. It doesn't help us at all. What it's going to do for you, draw you closer to Jesus. Give you time to reflect on King Jesus, set your mind back on him, reset from this world, and recognize him as greater. Jesus is greater. Simply 7 Fast, discoverwbc.com slash 7 Fast, or right outside you can get information. I want this for you because I want you to see Jesus more clearly than you ever have, for him to be the Lord of your life more than he ever has as you go on your journey towards eternity with him. My wife's going to pray for us, and we're going to continue in worship this morning. God, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are above all. God, your name is above every name. God, and we will all confess that you are Lord one day. We will all kneel and bow before you and confess that you are Lord, God, and that there is no one else like you. God, we praise you for your word. We praise you for who you are. We pray that as we worship you, God, that we surrender everything that we have to you, Jesus, in these moments. It's your holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.